This is Daizenshu EX, the podcast, episode 65 for the week of February 18th, 2007. Welcome to Dies and Shui X, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Dies and Shui X. We cover anything and... Everything. 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 Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening, and hey, a little bit of entertaining as well, because that would be fun, you know, listening to stuff, it's helpful to be entertaining. How's everyone doing out there? Good. Oh, pretty good. Good stuff. So let's introduce who we have here. We have a fun episode ahead of us. I'm going to start over here with uh, the lassie to my less than proverbial right. This is the Mary. Hi. How are you? I got the hiccups. That's... I'm going to stay quiet for a few minutes till they go away. All right. Good luck with that. To my less than proverbial north, we have Julian. Hey. I'm Bourbon How are, How are you? I'm doing pretty good now. Cool. Uh, why now? Well, it's a long story, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. All right. Cool stuff. <laughs> also joining us this evening, we got a, a familiar voice, and I would say that in terms of both, you know, hearing voice in your ears, listening to the show, and also via text on uh, our forum and various other forums. Corey, what's up? How you doing? I am doing well. <laughs> I am excited to hear that. Now, you are to my lesson proverbial, where are you? Let's see, if you're up in Pennsylvania, I'm in Virginia, so I'd be down and to the right. <laughs> well, we're in Jersey, but we're on the border of Pennsylvania. Oh, you're in Jersey. So that's oh, okay. really close. So you're what? to my lesson proverbial south. That's fantastic. So we're all over the uh, the East Coast here. Cool stuff. We have stories. We have a big episode. This episode is indeed what I've called the Big Orange Review. We're going to get really uh-huh. in-depth with this uh, Funimation Season 1 Remastered Ultimate Special thing. But we got cool stuff before then. And I guess the honor has to go to Julian first to say what the hizzle's going on, Izzle. Bizzle. Julian. Yeah. Well, uh, I had my interview for the JET program this week. Woo! Mm. So I had to go down to New Jersey, or not New Jersey, but, well, <laughs> New York City for that, but my grandparents live in New Jersey, so I stayed with them. Gotcha. And it's a long, rather interesting story. It starts on Tuesday. In fact, I was actually going to go down to New Jersey on Wednesday, but I don't know if you know about this, but there was this huge storm that was bearing down on most of New York State uh, on yeah. Tuesday evening. Right. So I was encouraged by a number of people to leave that day, and I'm glad that I did because... <laughs> Get out of here! If I had left on Wednesday, I don't think I would have made it to my grandparents' house in one piece. <laughs> um, so yeah, I hung out there for a day, just kind of prepping myself and getting ready. Mm-hmm. And so the day of the interview, which was Thursday, I went in. My bus was caught in some awful, awful traffic. Uh, uh, I don't know if you'd really expect this, but New Jersey drivers are horrible when there's snow on the ground. Uh, I take offense to that. I am fantastic. And everyone else is the retard, but continue. Okay, okay. But anyway, the bus was held up for like two hours, and I finally made it to New York with like <laughs> half an hour before I needed to get to the consulate, which is on the other side of town. But uh, luckily, I, I managed to catch the what, the Grand Central shuttle line just as it was arriving. So I hopped on over to Grand Central Station, went up a couple of blocks to the Japanese consulate. And actually, they were pretty happy to see me because I guess a lot of people were either canceling or just not showing up because mm, of the weather. Expected. And my interview itself was actually pretty good. There was a lot less Japanese than I thought. They advertised the <laughs> 
interview for the CIR position is being in Japanese, but actually the only thing that's in Japanese is reading comprehension, which I thought I did pretty well at. Um, there was two selections. The first one was really easy, and I knew all the kanji and how to answer all the questions that they gave me. The second one had ch characters I don't think I've ever encountered before. But in general, I felt really positive about the interview, and they even asked me you know, if I'd be all right with taking the other position if I didn't get the one that I applied for. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, fingers crossed that there's a pretty good chance that I'll get accepted no matter what. My story is not in there, though. Ah. On the way back that evening, uh -huh. um, you know, I thought I'd be fine. You know, I'm usually not that bad about driving. I always make sure to get enough rest. But so going up the New York State Thruway, I'm, I guess, not far from Poughkeepsie when my left front tire blows. Oh, Jesus. Oh. So I had to pull over on the thruway, and I had to get out my spare and get out the jack and everything. And, yeah. do this. and I'm still wearing my suit from the interview. <laughs> uh, and there's, you know, trucks going by at upwards of 70 miles an hour, you know, less than two feet from me where I'm sort of kneeling on the ground. And I can't get all the way over because, of course, there's snow up against the guardrail. So I finally get everything undone for the, for the wheel that's, you know, got the problem tire. And I yank on it, and the wheel doesn't want to move. Of course so I'm, I'm sitting there for a good long time until finally I managed to get the roadside services people to show up. Because, of course, you know, ordinary people with tow trucks and what can't get on the thruway because it's private road owned by the state. Ah. So this guy just gives it a good swift kick and manages to get the wheel loose and I'm able to put on the spare and get everything done up. So it didn't cost me anything. And then I'm, you know, I'm still driving along the thruway, heading up, getting towards Utica area, and the snow starts coming down. I mean, I guess it had been like this for the past few days right. uh, around here. I understand that I got about three feet. Oh, yes. Wow. So, you know, I'm slowing down and I, you know, trying to be careful because obviously the road conditions aren't that great. So, and I crest this one hill and all of a sudden I see all these cars like lined up along the side of the road like they've all kind of gone off. And then there are people walking across the road in front of me. <laughs> so I, I swerved to avoid these people, and I somehow managed to both avoid them and avoid losing control of the car, but I don't know how. But uh, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't feel too bad considering it was their own damn fault for being in my way, but still. Um, anyway, where was I? Oh, yes. <laughs> so I... I finally get off the thruway and visibility is close to zero and somehow I managed to make it back to the college and I climb the hill no problem even though the hill up to the college is pretty steep and so I'm finally getting ready to park my car in a parking lot that's up this hill behind my dorm and my car won't make it up the hill because there's a <laughs> layer of ice on the road and so what ha ends up happening is that my car slides backwards down the hill and ends up lodged in a snowbank. Oh jeez. So I have to call a tow truck and most of the people I call at first are all busy because everybody else has gone off the road and right, stuck exactly. in the snow. And so they're, you know, they all have their own problems to deal with. So I finally find someone who has a free truck. And by this point, it's getting close to three in the morning. <gasps> so I have to wait for them Jesus. to show up. And so they finally get there and then they hook my car up and they try to get up the hill and they can't get up there either. So what ends up happening is they sort of back my car down the hill in such a way that I'm able to go find a different parking lot to park in. And I was just really utterly <laughs> exhausted by that. It's so a nightmare. You know, I'm back. I'm, I'm fine. It was just a really, really long day. And I, I thought the interview was going to be the worst of it, but that turned out to be <laughs> the least of my worries at all. Well, here's hoping so, you actually get yeah. to go to Japan and that'll make it worth it yeah that it julian that was a fun adventure yeah cool stuff well you <laughs> know i don't have yeah. anything that interesting i i played dragon power on the nes this 
last week, and I finally got to level two. You got to meet a cool. chunky, chubby, what was his name? Porky? Pugsy. Piggy. Pudgy. Oolong. Well, yeah, it was oh, Oolong, boy. but they yeah, called him Pudgy. He was like running from house to house, and I died, and the game's hard, <laughs> and I hate it, but I finally got to level two. So, like, go me. And that's my Dragon Ball stuff for the week. Actually, there's one other thing. And it's a story. Today was a very off Vegito EX day. Because normally when I encounter stupid people in public, I usually, you know, let them have it. But I didn't today. I don't know what was going on. I was at FYE at the mall. And I don't know if it's a national chain, but it's like one of those... Suncoast-esque places, but it's music and movies and they do games and stuff. So I was looking at all the... Well, yeah, because you're close to us. So I was looking at all the used anime DVDs, specifically the Dragon Ball ones. Of course, I'm looking at the Dragon Ball ones, and this is where the problem comes in. The dude there that was working there, putting stuff away, is one of those manager-type people, and I got the obligatory, you know, can I help you find anything? You looking for something? Nope, I'm good. I'm just looking. Cool? Cool. All right. Keep looking. About 40 seconds to a minute passes by, comes up to me again. Uh, you sure I can't help you find anything? Are there any specific series that you were looking for that you don't see? Nope. I'm good. I'm just browsing. Thanks. Another minute passes by. Dude comes up again. He goes, is there anything that you want to pre-order while you're here? We got this Neru 2 that we got, and we got this... <laughs> like, I've never heard that fucking pronunciation in my my entire life. Wow. So not, at this even- point, I, I'm like, I, I, I want to leave, but I'm still looking yeah. at stuff. I am shocked because this is very atypical for me that I didn't turn to him and say, I was thinking about buying something, but I'm going to leave the store now and it's your fault. Please leave me the fuck alone. Goodbye. And I didn't do it. I don't know what was wrong with me today. I'm shocked you didn't correct oh. him on the pronunciation of a... I know. What's wrong like, with me today? You could reply and be like, you mean Naruto? <laughs> yeah, no, what? And then yeah. there was some lady at the game store bitching about how they sold her We Play pre-order because she didn't show up for two days. And I could have yelled at another mom, but I didn't. Uh, but uh, that's the stuff. We have to get on with Dragon Ball-related things. So we're going to move it on into the news here. And then we're going to get into the topic. And we actually have a contest this episode, oh. which is kind of an ironic contest but it's cool anyways (laughs) so let's get on into the news so in the news this week we have some actual dragon ball related things and then quasi dragon ball related things julian i'm going to give you the real news what's up well the main dragon ball z dvd news which i just said is volumes 46 to 49 in japan they are ranked at number two, three, six, and seven on the Japanese Oricon DVD sales charts for the week of February seventh. So they are flying off them shelves. Hells yeah! I've read this over on Anime News Network, like every other anime fan on the face of the planet. But they're selling well, and that's the end of Z. So I guess Japanese folks are like, hells yeah! So yes. that love and the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next up is Dragon Ball, starting with the first releases in April. That's true. Well, that's the real Dragon Ball-related news. We got a couple other items mm-hmm. here that are quasi-Dragon Ball-related, and that they're Dragon Ball by extension. And the first thing is that this last week, Funimation has started up a store on iTunes offering anime downloads, you know, the typical Buck 99 episode thing. They only have three shows up right now, and all three of them are Gonzo shows. Which ones are they? Uh, Sunobozu, mm-hmm. Desert Punk, which is 
not two. It's the same thing. Um, what else do they have? Trinity Blood, maybe? I don't know. Whatever those crap so Gonzo oh, shows well, they are. What was it the, the one with the Duran Duran song that they couldn't bring over? Speedgrapher, yeah. Speedgrapher. Actually, I don't know what three they are, but they're there. But what it comes down to is that Funimation's selling shit on iTunes now. And we'll drag them all eventually make it there. And what confuses the hell out of me now, we're going to kind of get to this when we talk about the box set review, is now Funimation has two distinctly different dubs by themselves that they're releasing at the same time. So if they were to sell something online, which one would they sell? I assume mm. they would sell their broadcast version, but they're putting effort into the the new version with the Japanese music on the DVD, so I, I don't fucking know. But, yeah. So the next bit of news, quasi-Dragon Ball related, and that it's not really at all, but Blue Dragon, the 360 RPG that's out in Japan right now, I believe, because it's selling really well and coming over here soon. Um, obviously, Toriyama did the character designs for it. It's the Chrono Trigger team, the Dream Team. You got Toriyama, Ooh. Sakaguchi, and Uematsu. But the best part is that Norio Wakamoto, our main man from last week's episode, plays the main villain in the game. So that's Oh-ho. awesome. And I need to get a 360. Any of you guys have a 360? <laughs> Julian, I'm pretty sure you only have a DS and like an N64. Yeah, that's right. And the N64 is at home, so... Gotcha. Corey, what do you have? Do you have any updated systems? Uh, at the moment, I have everything from the last generation, but I haven't taken the plunge on anything new yet. Gotcha. Well, uh, we're going to have to get one, Mary. Eventually, yes. With that team, I may actually give I know, up right? all my bitching about the 360 and actually snag one. <laughs> exactly. That's how I feel. Like, uh, But it's everyone cool in one game, and the characters look like versions of Gohan all together in a team. But that's it. <laughs> so we're going to move on into the topic for the week, so let's rock this shit. Our topic for the week is the big orange review. We're going to have some fun tonight. We brought on Corey to talk about this with us because, well, he's well-versed in the ways of pretty much everything relating to this. He's been very vocal on our forum, on Funimation's forum, doing all sorts of screenshots, comparisons with the Dragon Box, technical explanations, knows what he's talking about, and we enjoy listening to him. So, Corey... I, I'm pretty much going to let you run the show here for this, and uh, let's have some fun. Sweet. Can we sound like a waiver so if anything explodes, I'm not civilly liable or anything? <laughs> oh, That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start it off by explaining exactly what this is. What is this box set that I'm holding in my hand? That's, and on the front it says, Dragon Ball Z Season 1 Digitally Remastered. Okay, basically what Funimation has done is they've abandoned their Ultimate Uncut Editions in favor of a big orange brick, which will contain (laughs) the first 39 episodes of Dragon Ball Z, and according to all the hype that they are putting out there incessantly, it is fully remastered frame by frame, and it actually has a 5.1 surround sound soundtrack with the English voices and the Japanese soundtrack after 10 years of people asking for it. What was the Ultimate Uncut Edition? The Ultimate Uncut Editions, you'll, I'll have to go by hearsay because I never purchased them myself. <laughs> all right, well, I Whereas, All right, well, 
Would you like to take that one? No, no, go ahead. <laughs> I'll correct you if you're wrong. All right. Uh, basically, after Pioneer had held the license to the first, what was it, the first 53, 54 episodes of the series? Dubbed it was 53, which corresponded to about 67, 68 in the original Japanese run. Right. It ran up right to the point where uh, Goku had arrived on Namek, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, when Pioneer's license expired for those, Funimation decided to go back and redub them uncut. Cut and the Ultimate Uncut editions essentially were their releases of the same episodes, uh, fully uncut with a 5.1 dub soundtrack, a 2.0 dub soundtrack, and the original Japanese with subtitles by uh, Steve Simmons. Not only that, but it also randomly out of oh, the it blue. It also had the Mexican dub. Exactly. Which was very nice, actually. It was fantastic. So those were coming out. We got, I think, nine volumes into that. And they just stopped. And we knew nothing. And they we saw stopped. online this complete Vegeta saga coming out. People are like, mm-hmm. all right, they're just going to you know, just finish them all out in a box set. What's going on here? But that's not what that turned into. So we had the old Pioneer discs, the Funimation dub, Pioneer did this, the, um, the home distribution for them. Those expired. Funimation's like, all right, we'll do it ourselves. So we're up to today with the Orange set, season one. Indeed we are. Let's um, let's talk about the content of this in terms of just episodes. We'll say what's in here. These are the first 39 episodes of DBZ. Just like the Ultimate Uncut Edition, uncut meaning you know all the visual footage is there from the Japanese episodes, not the uh, TV broadcast. Not the TV broadcast either in 1996 or like 2005 did they air it on Cartoon Network. If there were any edits there, it was mostly uncut when it aired there. But this is everything... And this set includes the the typical Japanese audio track, which is just a mono. It includes the stereo 2.0 audio track from what aired on Cartoon Network. There's no Spanish track. There's no 5.1 broadcast dubbed audio track. But for the first time ever, with the possible exception of the first three movies as distributed by Funimation Pioneer, we have an English dub that has the original Japanese music in it. And it's in 5.1. Mm. Which we kind of wanted like 10 years ago. And personally, I feel like it's too little, too late, completely irrelevant, don't fucking care anymore. Mm-hmm. But so, um, where would you like it's to like go it's... from here, Corey, now that we know what this is in front of us? We can run it down from the technical aspect if you want to. Um, I had an opportunity to actually look at the discs compared to the uh, corresponding Dragon Box disc, which I did for the just the first disc. I didn't go through all six. Mm-hmm. Uh, the episode counts are re- relatively the same. Uh, I think the first Dragon Box disc has the first six episodes, whereas Funimation's has seven. Mm-hmm. I was actually surprised. Um, Funimation actually was not too far behind the Dragon Box in terms of the actual uh, bit rate. Yeah. Um, we're looking at... I was looking basically at the video stream that only had the episodes, didn't have the actual recaps. In that case, the Dragon Box was sailing at about 8.7 megabytes a second. Which is great. Exactly. Whereas Funimations was still not bad, and they were running at 7.11 megabytes a second, which... That's and nice for them. Shocked the hell out of me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one other thing I want to point out real quick is that originally this was only going to be five DVDs, and seemingly from fan complaints, they pumped it up to six at the last minute. 
to kind of iron out and pump up the bitrate a little bit. So that was nice. Very. Uh, one thing I wanted to go back at also was in terms of the ac actual packaging itself is going to be what's called a digipack. It's where it, essentially you fold out the packaging after right. taking off the slip cover. You get, mm. um, in this case, they actually have the discs overlying over each other. I hate this so much. <laughs> First of all, digipacks piss me off just because I've had enough series that I've bought where the damn thing busts. Yep. And then the whole package yeah. essentially is a piece of trash. Mm-hmm. Um, the overlaying one, I kind of hate even more because if you ever want to watch an even number disc, you have to take out one to get to it. And it's <laughs> I just, know. It's more trouble than it's worth, really. Mary, you have a set of DVDs that does this, too. And this was the first time I ever saw it. Right. Like I this. thought it was the cheapest thing I have ever seen. And at the time, I accepted it because I know it was a really low-budget release. Right. You know, very, very niche market. It was the second gem box set. So I figured, okay, you know, they don't have a lot of money to pump into this. You know, they're probably just going with really cheap packaging. So to see that kind of packaging with something that they're really trying to pump out to, I don't want to say a mass market, but certainly a lot bigger than Gem, yeah. is kind of disheartening. And didn't your Gem box have fall apart? Um, was that one of the both other of ones? them kind of fell apart? Yeah, so uh, it's not like uh, I mistreat them or anything. Right. Another thing, actually, I guess these packages are becoming more popular because uh, I want to say it was Lost season two uh, came with a similar packaging. I want to say. I that mean, I sucks. strip all my discs and throw them in binders, but I think that was the same thing. Uh, mm. While we're on the packaging, I want to talk about the book here because it <laughs> disgusts me. Oh, you know, yeah. I found this the most I've offensive thing. I mean, just as much as the the video issues that we'll get to later on. But yeah. this book is like uh, don't they have uh, some serious God. errors or something? Yeah. yeah. Well, let's uh, let's make our way backwards. In the back of the book, they have this history of Dragon Ball Z. It's just this little like twenty four page paper booklet thing. Um, Nineteen ninety five, Dragon Ball begins TV syndication. No problem there. Nineteen ninety six, September. Dragon Ball Z appears on WB. Kind of true, kind of not true. Dragon Ball Z also just aired in syndication. I don't know why they didn't just phrase that just like they did above. Dragon Ball Z begins TV syndication. Right, some places had UPN. Right, it was whoever syndicated it locally, whatever. <laughs> uh, the next one here. 1998, August. Cartoon Networks begins showing the final two seasons of Dragon Ball Z. Uh, first wow. two seasons, dumbasses. Way to quality control. Like, who's reading this? The first thing, Dragon Ball Z appears in w on WB. Whatever, I, I can sort of see that, whatever. But final two seasons? Come on, someone please proofread this shit. The other thing that really bugs me about this book is that there are the episode summaries. And typically, in books that come with DVDs, each page would correspond to a disc. In this one, there are four episodes per page which means that you're constantly not knowing what episode this is on at a quick glance. So I'm looking at the page, okay, uh, 17, 18, 19, 20 are on the left page of this. Well, those aren't necessarily on this. Actually, I think those are on the same disc. Let's pick the next one. <laughs> <laughs> 21, 22, 23, and 24. Okay, I want to watch that. But 21 isn't on the same disc as 22. It's just like a little thing in the book that would have been really helpful if they paid a little more attention to it. Corey, looking through here, is there anything else that irritated you when you looked at it? Oh, where to start? <laughs> uh, a, everybody pretty much has picked up on the timeline. Um, I don't know if certain companies paid to be mentioned in here, but I mean, you mentioned oh my Warner God. Brothers. Yes. You got Warner yeah. Brothers in there. You've got Pogs from Australia, which is extremely odd. 
Um, yeah, I mean, this will be distributed in Australia, but the mentions of Australia and other stuff in here is more than anything they talked about for America. Well, especially on the right-hand side where it says a look at the history of Dragon Ball in America. So right. So you'd think they were kind of restricted to that continental mass. But, right. Uh, apparently not. But uh, the other thing that really annoyed the crap out of me, which, I mean, we'll get into all that later, of course, is the back cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes through a little three-paragraph glib about the uh, transfer process, which, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, <laughs> I think that's enough right there. <laughs> where would but, you like uh, to go from here, then? Uh, one other thing about the book that I yeah. found kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual character profiles that they oh, have yes. uh, near the front of the book. I looked at these damn things, and I was like, okay, these look a little bit familiar. Uh-huh. Sure enough, if you look at the actual Dragon Box booklet, they've almost copied the design uh, <laughs> oh. exactly. Uh, it's the it's the same, you know, one big orb, and then you know, seven smaller orbs with the different little details. Right. I think they even took some of the same pictures out of it. But that's um, a weird just, thing to steal from yeah. them. Well, steal the video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they steal that. <laughs> I know they have the actual sets in their office down there because one of their employees told me. But I mean, I just I'm not sure if they looked at and did that on purpose or if right. maybe it was just a extremely strange coincidence. But that's how it is. One thing I do like is they actually credit the Japanese seiyu in here, where it says uh, Japanese voice actor, and then underneath that, American voice actor. So that's, you know, that's good. maybe <laughs> the one thing that they got right in the entire set. Yeah, right. And they actually spelled everyone's names correctly, as far as I can tell. Wow. So that's yeah. kind of cool. <laughs> All right, so there's the pack. Oh, one other thing with the packaging, and uh, it was Evil Gamer X that pointed this out to me. If you take the box out of its sleeve, and you look at the spine, it starts with what appears to be a continuing picture, kind of like on the spines of the manga, where when you put them all next to each other, it forms a big picture. Uh, this one looks... VHS even. Yeah. This one looks like it's going to eventually spell out Dragon Ball Z, except when you put the discs back in the paper sleeve around them, you no longer see, see that spine picture. <laughs> wow. Wow. Wicked smart. Well, obviously, this is an opportunity for them to sell a major Mondo Cool box to put all seven or eight or nine or however many they milk this for into a special case. Exactly. So that concludes my thoughts on this retarded packaging. So, Corey, I'm going to let you take it from here wherever you would like to go with this set. Let's start out with uh, what you get when you put the damn disc in the DVD player to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, Menus, extremely stripped down. That's cool. It's a Yeah, I like it. It's a budget release. I can deal with that. Um, I actually prefer that. When I put in the DVD and I press the... Oh God, we were having this problem at Mary's parents' house. We were watching the DVDs. I couldn't find the title button on their DVD remote. And Funimation, stop doing this. Where you can't fast forward, you can't skip, and you can't press menu on the trailers that come before the menu. You have Run to press the title button. <laughs> I hate that. I like that trailer that was on it. It was pretty. Yes, but mm. by the time I found the title button on their insane remote... Yeah. It was, you know, it, well, that was a problem of my parents' remote. Right, right. Normally you put the title button oh, next dear. to the DVD menu button. This was like up in the upper left somewhere. By the time I found it, we were to the menu, so that irritated me. But I like the strip-down <laughs> menus. When I press menu, I want to be at a menu. I don't want to press menu and have it go through like a 10 or 20 second animation. Like the Dragon Box movie oh, box geez. set yeah. with the cheesy flash animation <laughs> menus. Right. So props hey. to Funimation on that. Credit where credit's due, okay? A, I love my DVD player because... 
the firmware's been hacked and I can bypass <laughs> all the lockout shit, which is great. Right. But uh, yeah, the Dragon Box movie menus were probably the cheesiest out of the, yeah. all the Dragon Boxes. Mm-hmm. But something I wish they would have picked up, since it's obvious that they at least are aware of the Dragon Box Box's existence, mm-hmm. is if they would have designed one cool menu. Like I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen like the Z Dragon Boxes. It's a real. It's basically a stripped-down menu, but it's a scouter view, and then you've got like an image glowing in the background. Like ah. the first box is Goku fighting Frieza, and the second box is Super Saiyan three Goku fighting Boo, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Cool stuff. It's, it's the same throughout all the discs, but I mean, they made one menu and then just cut and pasted to every single disc. Right. But it's kind of ugly to me, but it is functional, so you know, I'll say it cuts even, but. I do like the fact I do like the fact that they threw in the marathon feature where you can just cut through it if you want to and just watch, you know, a big chunk of episodes. No, I gotta say, when I first saw that, I had no idea what it was. I clicked it and it just started playing in episodes and I said, Well, that's weird. What does this do? And eventually I put it together that it'll just like the first disc that ever came out, Arrival, had um just an opening theme at the beginning and an ending theme at the end. No eye catches, just went through. So that, that was essentially typical what... of Pioneer releases back then. Right. Mm. Like the Tenchi discs. And, right, right. Well, tapes back then it's... were all like that. So is that essentially what that marathon feature does? Just take it beginning to end straight through? Yeah, I believe it actually plays one opening, cuts through the episodes, which, uh, oddly enough, this time around, if uh, Grant only watched the Japanese track, so I'm not sure, but... It looks like they cut out the next episode previews completely, even for the English track. So, I don't think those are there. Yeah, I think they've completely abandoned that. So right. Well, yeah, I mean, on... if they've had the same masters that they just right, uh, you know, took and worked on themselves, then they still wouldn't have the audio, right? Right. What right. it appeared to be in the past was that on Funimation's masters, they did have the next episode previews, but they didn't have an audio track to go along with it. So that's why. On the old Funimation discs, there was an extra. I hated how they did this. An extra was the next episode preview, and it only had an English audio track. So they just said, uh, fuck it this time. They don't even have those. Kind of sucks. I like them. So I'm so used to them from my fan sub days, but whatever. So the marathon feature takes you straight through. What else do we have? We just have play episodes, uh, episode select, and the setup. And on the one disc, we have the couple extras. But So they are pretty minimum, but I like them. Yeah, I mean, it's a stripped-down release. That's cool. I mean, the thing that kind of throws me about it is... Well, we can get to that later in terms of the video, but it mm-hmm. seems like they couldn't decide between doing a budget release or doing a big-budget release. I know! Because it's like, okay, it's cheap, it's got a bunch of episodes, it's all at once, it's in a brick, but it's gone through a remastering process using $2 million of equipment, all the bells and whistles, so... <laughs> it's kind of like they just sort of kept tossing a coin and leading their advertising campaign that way. Let's just cut right to the chase and talk about the remastering process. Now, Jeff was here last week. Um, podcast listeners, you know, Jeff is uh, here from time to time. He's going to be doing our manga reviews with us. He's uh, a very big video buff. And he's like, oh, you got the box set. Can you mind if I check it out and see what's up with this? So we popped it in, and immediately he was infuriated by the widescreen. So that was the first thing. <laughs> and he's not even a Dragon Ball fan, per se. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he's like, all right, what else is on here? Um, we watched a little bit of, a, of an episode, and we started watching the extras. And we're watching that extra where it's the dude from whatever the remastering place is. Oh, video post and transfer. That was the place the they used. His name is Steve Franco, for anyone who is uh, curious. Right. And so 
Jeff's he's watching this and we get to it and he's just like fuming <laughs> and he goes, I need to record something. Because Jeff's down at Casticon this weekend, so he couldn't do the episode with us. He really wanted to because he thought this set was atrocious. So we sat down, we put on that trailer in the background, and Jeff recorded a, a running little, commentary. Right, a running commentary for it. So I'm gonna cut real quick right here to Jeff's take on <laughs> this little extra about the remastering process, and then I want to comment on a couple of things that he said, and then we'll continue on from there. Hey, this is Jeff. I'm going to do an impromptu commentary on the wonderful restoration documentary on this DVD of the uh, first season of the Dragon Ball Z box set. Quick background. I do like color correction for a living and teach people how to do it. So when they're talking about restoration, they ought to get through me first. So first thing I want to point out is they're using the guy who did the color correcting and shows no one from Funimation so they know who to blame. Looks like a nice guy, though. He's now at Dragon Ball Z, which is kind of like me saying I was a fan of Trigun after watching the entire series at four speed. You got to realize, guys, this is probably one of the best remasters ever done because the equipment is worth a million dollars. Two million dollars. Two million dollars. It's not that much. The colors. Oh, the colors. They're so pretty. The only problem with the colors is that there's fucking widescreen on it. Yeah, so like I had to turn down all the blues and the reds had to be popped, man. It was just insane. It's funny seeing a, a white 50-year-old man trying to think in the mind of a young Japanese art animation artist. Okay, it's up to you, bub. Oh, yeah, he's talking about restoration here. He says, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to take out that original uh, film noise that was there. And okay, we're seeing a clip. It, it looks pretty standard for the original uh, TV. And then he says the first step is removing all the noise using this HD processor. Well, that's fine. Except in the sample they give, the noise on the left side's at 29.97 frames a second. The animation's at 24. In other words, Funimation exaggerated it. That's right, folks. Even in their own documentary, they can't tell you the freaking truth. But it's still a million dollars worth of equipment. So you're supposed to be all impressed. Because, you know, they probably rented out the studio for maybe like five hours. Just set it on auto and ran away. Came back five hours later and said, okay, here's your million bucks. Give me my film. And do realize, folks, that, yes, they, they save the digital masters and widescreen. So in terms of losing all the glue and hair, yeah, they got rid of that. But now you're stuck with this uh, widescreen remaster with eyes and heads cut off. Enjoy your remaster, folks. I'll give them credit. I cannot spool film like that. I wouldn't even know where to begin. I'd probably connect the dots and make a penis. What? <laughs> it's million dollar equipment. <laughs> you gotta throw a penis in there. So we'll throw it into the original state plus the widescreen. Oh, let's hear them explain the widescreen. Well, we're kinda going against what the original show looks like to get you more picture. And, uh, yeah, there, there's not more picture. They fabricated these shots, too. In fact, if you look at the film, the top is progressive, the bottom is interlaced, and they didn't even bother to put in both friggin' fields of the interlacing. That's not restoration. That's not knowing how to encode. How much was this again? 30 bucks? Yeah. 30 bucks, right? Yeah, I could have shot that documentary for about 20 cents. <laughs> Thanks, Chas Naylor. Your documentary sucked. Well, enjoy your remastered widescreen Dragon Ball the way it was never meant to be originally shown. So, Jeff, tell us what you really think. Oh, it was beautiful. I mean, that was... <laughs> I'm I'm blown away by all the effects. That was shit. <laughs> no purchase. And no alcohol. That is genuine anger there, folks. Fanboy angst. I feel for you. I really do. There goes Tara. So a couple things I want to touch upon that Jeff said here. One, and I didn't even notice this, but it makes complete sense. 
the only individual you see in this trailer is someone who's not even from Funimation. They have made this brilliant scapegoat for people to attack, and he's not even from their own company. Well, kind of to counterbalance that, I don't okay. think that's their intention. I think it's fun to think that way, but I think I in their the view, past. it seems more authoritative if you actually have a professional mastering person there talking to you instead of just like, hi, I'm Chris Talbot from Funimation, and let me tell you about the remastering process. So I like, agree. What, what would the point of that be? I agree. On the other hand, there have been things in the past where I think one of them was Legacy of Goku thing, but Chris Sabat introduced that, like it was some footage of him and he went up to the game studio and introduced the people, stuff like that. This, there's no Funimation people whatsoever. So yeah, it, it's fun to think that, but I wouldn't put it past them of being there and that's convenient. So yes, I, I mostly agree with you, Mary. But I think I, it's not so much them trying to scapegoat it as it is they saw the negative feedback right, right. from the get-go. They're aware of I, it. And I think they went, okay, we essentially need the equivalent of an expert witness to come in. Mm-hmm. If we throw in this guy that is an, an acclaimed colorist throughout the country, which uh, I'll get right. to his resume here in a few minutes, which I think you guys will find amusing. But okay. uh, This acclaimed guy who apparently knows all this stuff, and if he's saying that this is such a great project and so much great work was done on it, then mm-hmm. maybe we'll show the people up right which obviously not mm. the case <laughs> and the other thing i want to touch upon that jeff said and i noticed it when i was watching it and i couldn't figure out what exactly was wrong with it there's that scene where they do the split screen and they show this is the old version and this is the new version with the grain removal they're lying to you what's on that screen the side with the grain the grain has been placed over the remastered version, the footage is running at 23.97 frames per second, and the grain is running at 29.97 frames per second. What was scary was, when we first showed this to Jeff, was instantly he picked that up. He's like, that grain's not there. I'm like, oh That's my fake. god, dude, you're you're an expert. I never would have thought that in a million years. I see what they were doing, and I appreciate what they were doing, but it was a complete fabrication. Yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. sneaky. So, uh... Hope you enjoyed Jeff's little take on that. So now we'll go from here with Corey, the remastering process. A lot of people have seen the extra either on the DVDs, and I know it's been posted up on YouTube as well. Where do you want to start with this? Well, let's see. Uh, first of all, I guess we can start with the uh, big thing that Funimation was toting, which was that um, they weren't going to touch the actual color, the right. balance. It the says so in their tech trailer. It says in the tech trailer. It says when the guy does, uh, when Mr. Franco does the actual extra on the DVD, right. he, uh, he almost uh, <laughs> he in falters. Angry, yeah, he actually says at first, we did none, no very little, or none or very little. He tries to switch back and forth between right. the two, but uh, it's obvious. I mean, anyone yeah. can look at it from what I'm seeing personally, and I could be completely wrong here. Someone jump out and correct me. Mm-hmm. It looks like they pushed the blue level for some reason. Yes. Because if you look at the skies, the skies, of course, are more blue. Mm-hmm. Um, evening skies are typically depicted as a shade of green right. in the original, which has turned blue. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a scene, I don't know if anyone picked this up, when you watch Gohan bursting out of Rats' space pod, Gohan's face starts flashing blue. I shit you not. Which <laughs> we haven't watched great, that episode. Which is some great frame-by-frame remastering. Nice, and I mean, unsupervised I supervised remastering. Right. Exactly, which is funny because the guy actually makes a point of saying it's not quite automated. So. <laughs> but it might as well be. Oh, dear. 
In other words, someone played with sliders on one still frame picture, maybe checked another one, and then just right. set the whole reel to yep. do it. Mm. Somebody pushed a button. Exactly. exactly. And they went out for coffee. Mm-hmm. Hope it was good coffee. It was two million dollar coffee. <laughs> Better be damn good coffee. Nitpick? Can I just make one small nitpick? He likes nitpick. Goes to- <laughs> the guy th- goes through and rattles off a whole bunch of high-end equipment and gives the price tag, which he was correct. Right. It falls somewhere in the neighborhood of like $1.8 million, and he freezes for a moment, and he's like, right there, you've got over $2 million of equipment. So that's small, but I just sort of chuckle that. <laughs> well, when you consider his salary, I guess, <laughs> he's equipment too, right? I mean, he's just a machine. He's he a just presses go. Point. All right, what else can we talk about here? Ooh, I got something. Yes. I like the fact that he pretty much admits about the widescreen issue. Yes. <laughs> He he said, oh, I wish I remembered his exact wording. He's like, but, well, I guess we kind of had to We're do something. We're trying to adapt it. He said, I remember exactly because okay. I've got one of those crazy-ass memories. <laughs> uh, he goes into how originally TVs were 4x3 and now with high def, which is so much better than any standard definition presentation in the native format is 16x9. Mm -hmm. And he says, so we kind of had to adapt it, you know, so you do lose a little bit of image, but you gain so much on the sides. And I think people are going to really enjoy this, how this opens up and how it's more cinematic, which is uh, the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) TV show is not meant to be cinematic, especially something not animated in 1989. (laughs) It's not like that. I actually, I took a look at this because, you know, from the moment they started releasing stuff, we started manipulating images to see how much was getting cut out. Right. Uh, the approximate figures of what you're losing are going to be 20% of the vertical resolution. Mm-hmm. And then the horizontal, you're gaining roughly 5%. My so. television has 2.5% overscan on all sides. I double-checked. Mm-hmm. That means I'm losing 25% of the vertical resolution, and I'm gaining nothing horizontally compared <laughs> to the original 4x3. Four, uh, four wow. So that is some great, great... Uh, advancing right there. Wow. You literally gained absolutely nothing. You gained nothing from this experience whatsoever. And I lost a quarter of the image. (sighs) Well, let's talk about framing. Um, This is something that bugged me personally instantly. Okay. The framing. Go for it. Um, What was the first episode that we tested? It was on Goku Vegeta fight. Yeah, the Kamehameha. It was then, oh, Did I no, just say a- Kamehameha? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. And it's time it was, for another beer. Mary, continue. It was the scene of Goku and Vegeta um, on opposing cliffs, staring right. each other down, talking with really great panning in the animation. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, first thing I noticed was how awkwardly Vegeta was positioned within the frame. Right. Like, you see mostly his chest. I mean, that was the focus of the frame. Right, the whole point of that is like lower left, upper right kind of thing going right. on. and it was just bizarre. I'm like, I know, I mean, part of it is I know what to expect from this scene, but Right, we just, know these really, really well. So that's kind of a bias right there, but just yeah. quick glance, I happened to look at the TV and it was just so glaringly wrong. It's just awkward. The framing. You think something's wrong. Like, Vegeta's chest shouldn't be, you know, the focus. It's like they didn't even bother to, like, pan and scan a little bit. No. Let me just say right now, uh-huh. I know we all have our bias because we've seen these episodes at Infinitum. Right. But, um, I actually sat down with my girlfriend to watch these because she hasn't seen Dragon Ball Translated. She's just seen the shit I forced her to watch, essentially. <laughs> so uh, she started watching it with me, and at first she really, you know, she was pointing out stuff where it looked awkward with the framing and everything, like mm-hmm. when Raditz came along. But the thing that really caught me and caught her off guard was when, when everybody goes to fight Nappa, there's a pan across the screen. 
and it shows everybody standing there essentially. Yes. And Chaozu uh-huh. is floating in the air next to Tenshin Han, and Chaozu's head is cut damn near in half. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, we were actually just watching that. Was it? Yes. It was Two on days Thursday. ago. Right. Yeah, I, I will be honest and say the majority of the TV series, yes, it's just positioned and framed for the center of the screen. Dragon Ball is in this phenomenally framed artistic vision. But there is a lot of stuff where you're going to notice something's weird, especially if you know the episodes really well. It's kind of irritating. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know don't what know I kind the episodes well, it's just like looking at and thinking that this was done really poorly. Yeah, you know what I kind of wish they would do? Uh-huh. Or that they would have done? <clears throat> is that, well, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but the series One Piece mm-hmm. has been since episode 207, I believe, aired at 720p right. resolution. But occasionally, every so often, you'll have flashbacks to earlier in the series when the ser- uh, when right. the animation was still on at 4 to 3. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they simply have put bars on either side of the screen that read One Piece. So that you're oh. not... They're they're uh, not yeah. cutting anything off for zooming in, and I, I mean it gotcha. helps that they also they also s- still make technically a four three version, which basically they the sixteen nine version is framed in such a way that even though you're getting extra things on either side, you're not going to be losing anything significant. Right. When it's cropped down to four to three. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So that might be part of the reason, but I mean, if they were really serious on preserving the presentation, despite you know high resolution masters or whatever, I think what would have been nicer was would have been for them to you know scan it in at the original resolution of the telecine film which is slightly wider than four to three but not significantly right just put some kind of you know decorative thing on either side yeah which of course yeah i'm sorry go ahead which which of course wouldn't be that great seven or you know 480p purposes but hdtv once they have that kind of release that would look really good i mean all things considered it'd be a good compromise but that's obviously not what they did but anyway go ahead um Sadly, uh, what you're talking about is something that a lot of releases are doing that are older, that they're making HD. Mm-hmm. Um, what Julian's referring to is what's called pillar boxing. It's uh, very much similar to the way that you can watch a widescreen movie on a 4x3 television right. and maintain the aspect ratio. Right. But, um, Instead of adding the black bars to the top and the bottom, they add the black bars to the left and the right to keep right. it the 4x3. They don't have to be black, though. No, well, that's true. To. If right. they're encoded as part of the stream, the best way to do it, in all honesty, is just to have the stream be 4x3 and have right. it set to pillar box. Mm-hmm. Because if you encode the actual bars into the image, right. It's the same way as a letterbox. I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen the uh, oh, yeah, that's end true. of Evangelion, the uh, manga entertainment one. Right. Um, it actually has the bars encoded into the image, and so do some old widescreen DVDs. Right. It detracts from the bit rate of the actual image, and it kind of tends to look a sickly gray as opposed to black. Well, so let's see. May be able to overcome that. Let's talk about Funimations then. It is anamorphic widescreen, is it not? Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about progressive Funimation's harping on this like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread it's i mean in tv series it's not all that normal but it's not really anything to write home about not nowadays anyway no and the whole thing here is that yeah they scanned it in at its native frame rate um progressive ntsc is 23.976 frames per second TVs, you know, olden day TVs, they run at 29.97, so you have to telescene it up there. This is running progressive, so if you have a progressive scan DVD player and your TV can support it, it's going to look all that much better. Fantastic. Funimation just won't shut up about it. Well, they got to compensate somehow over the whole widescreen fiasco. I remember what I wanted to harp on, and it's something that is probably ruined for us from here on out, and that's how Funimation scanned in the footage for their masters. I don't follow. 
So we have a widescreen version of the show now, right? Right. That's all there is now from Funimation. Corey, describe to us what they did to get the footage eventually to DVD. Well, eventually, essentially what happened is they are proclaiming that they got the original film masters from Japan, which, as we know, are probably some later generation print. Right. They're not the master copies from Toei, because Toei is a bunch of jackasses. And even if they weren't jackasses, they're not going to just give some American company their Soul, oh my god, crazy masters. Well, not only that, but most companies, when they make the original master, it gets put in the cold storage immediately. Right. Because it is the last, it is essentially the last resort if anything should ever happen. Right. Essentially, what happened is that Funimation contracted out to a company called Video Post and Transfer, which is based in uh, their area. I believe it's in Fort Worth, Texas. They do. If you look at their website, they proclaim themselves to be some sort of uh, company that's at the forefront of high definition and so forth. They essentially scanned the actual original film reels um, through, I believe, is it, do you pronounce it Telecine or? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make sure sometimes I goof that up. Uh, They essentially scanned the image and the actual film reels in a process where they telecine, which is where you go from an analog film source to a digital source. Mm-hmm. Uh, they state that they scanned it at 1080p, which is the highest uh, form of high definition that's available currently. And from there, essentially, they routed it through a number of automated processes, which essentially were mainly color correction and digital video noise reduction, which is why the image, if you look at today, looks much uh, blurrier, essentially, or it doesn't have the grain that we're used to in other Dragon Ball Z releases. Right. If you uh, smooth something out, Mm -hmm. you're going to lose detail. I mean, there's just no way around it. Well, not only that, but they, according to their own uh, literature, used not one process, but two DBNR processes, which means if you watch the show, you'll notice that it actually got so bad that actual lines in the animation were taken out. So you'll have uh, instances where, for instance, Napa looks like he's foaming at the mouth. (laughs) I love that Uh, screenshot. The Oni that's transporting Goku along the Serpentine Road suddenly has no face. It's it's kind of amusing if it was if it wasn't so sad. Right. Part of its charm is the grain. I mean, let's not forget that Z started in 1989. This isn't a new show with digital animation. If you try to make it look like it just came out today, it's gonna look wrong. It's gonna look oh, out man. of time. I ran it's into that problem millimeter. trying yeah. to filter uh, Honey Doggo. Right. Where you know that's a show from the mid '90s. It's very artistic in that all the backgrounds are watercolors. Right. When you smooth that shit out, it, it's not good times. No, it looks like you're doing all those mm. blurs and mosaics in Photoshop. Right. I mean, Dragon Ball wasn't as bad as my hack job of you know trying to <laughs> filter out something, but it kind of had the same problem where you filter it out so much that people lose their faces. Right. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, and like I've stated before and a number of other people have said, it is uh, part of the original film source. It's a 16-millimeter film, which inherently has grain on it. Right. And when you try and wipe that out, A, you've got the guy that's harping on the integrity of the materials and the extra that they provided, which, Mm -hmm. of course... Cutting out 20% of the picture doesn't do anything for integrity. That's exactly on- what I said as soon as we saw that, <laughs> <laughs> that extra. I'm like, that's not integrity. What? But I mean, when you do that, when you do that on top of actually essentially blurring the entire image, I mean, it's just you're pissing on the original uh, integrity of the film, even no matter what you say. And I mean, it is literally, if you watch the show and if you'll freeze frame it, 
things look almost like a pastel painting. Yep. Almost. The instant I popped in, I was like, is there something wrong with my eyes? This looks really blurry. Now, if we haven't made it clear by now, our problem with the set isn't just that it's widescreen. There are all these other things that they did to it that is essentially just destroying the picture here. Widescreen, I don't want to say it's the least of our problems, but... Yeah. It's the there. coloring was odd. I mean, sometimes it looks really, really good. Other times it looks really washed out. It's bizarre. Another time it's bleeding. Yeah. Reds don't work. Ooh, can we get to all the shit they didn't do? Yes, please. <laughs> First thing I noticed when I popped this thing in and actually started playing the episodes was uh-huh. A, Funimation was harping up that, you know, this was a frame-by-frame remaster. It was not no. automated, etc. First thing is, the intro pops up and the damn thing is literally dancing with film damage. Yes. I mean, you can see all the different instances of things, you know, dirt glue, a pepper. I mean, there's all this shit that's just, it's hard not to notice it. Right, and we've had it there before in the past, but those releases in the past haven't been touted as, oh my god, crazy frame-by-frame remasters. So if you're going to tell us that's what you're giving us, and then you don't do it. You actually said that? Yeah. Wow, I didn't notice that. If you look at the actual extra, he does say that they did a frame-by-frame job on it. I mean, that's the thing That's the thing that probably upset me most about this. I mean, right. not upset but pissed me off about it, is that I don't expect a company that has licensed the show to go back and do their own frame-by-frame restoration process. I mean, we're talking about things, though, that are so blatant when you're watching the show. Torn frames, we're talking about stuff that is huge, massive chunks of film damage. I mean, you would think a simple QC process would actually pick these things up. Right. I mean, we had people on the forums that were fixing these damn things within five minutes. (laughs) You're telling me that a company that has over a million dollars of equipment at their disposal can't open up Photoshop and make a quick alteration. I know. Like I said just a minute ago, it, it's not that it's there that bugs us. It's that they told us they were going to fix it, and this is going to be so great, and then they didn't do that. Like, don't promise and then not do stuff. I think that's my main problem with this set as a whole. I just want the show put out as is. Is that so hard? I know. That's why I'll keep all the old DVDs. Yeah, exactly. They cannot seem to make up their mind, in all honesty. I mean, they it's it's really sad. I mean, a lot of people now essentially are screwed, I mean, as we've said before, because now, for the foreseeable future, this is the only game in town. I mean, if you want these episodes... Uh, at least some of them, this is the only way to have them legitimately. Right. As of this point, there is no consistent, proper release of anything other than Dragon Ball GT, (laughs) and that's debatable, (laughs) from beginning to end in the U.S. Well, you can go out and buy all the old individual discs, right? Except Seasons 1 and 2. Oh, right. The whole problem there was that um, Pioneer's sublicense was just home distribution on what had already been produced, Great, Funimation was putting out those Ultimate Uncut editions. So, they canceled those. So the best you could do is buy what you can of the Ultimate Uncuts and then somehow fill in Right, the and then you're missing whatever Volume 9 is through Episode 68, pretty much. Yeah, you're missing roughly, I think, 40-some-odd episodes. Right. So. That, as far as we know, you will never be able to get properly in this oh, country. Oh, right, because the Pioneer discs weren't bilingual? No, those were the old edited as broadcast in syndication. Oh, yeah, geez. so you lost like 15 episodes or so of material Oh right my god. Yeah. So yeah, those... Um, They're lost. The quote-unquote season two episodes is... <laughs> we have lost episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, wow. Oh, Funimation. You came up with the phrase yourself. It's not my fault. <laughs> 
Um, let's talk about things, or I should say more things, that we lost with this set. Uh, we briefly mentioned what the audio tracks are on here. There's the Japanese mono track, same as kind of we've always been getting. There is the, what they call like broadcast, US broadcast 2.0 stereo version. That's all the episodes as they aired on Cartoon Network, essentially, just the uncut versions of those. On these sets is not the 5.1 from the Ultimate Uncut Editions. So if you're a dub fan and that's what you were into, you no longer have that 5.1 audio track. And you no longer have the Spanish track that we were getting with the Ultimate Uncut Editions. Completely gone. Kind of sucks. Which is the saddest thing that's been omitted from this. That was probably the one major I was so thing sad. I could give them, you know, a big pat on the back for before. Right. And now we have this new audio track, which is their English voices with the Japanese music, which, like we said, we wanted 10 years ago. I mean, it's good to have it now. It's, it's good to have. Mary, you and I spot-checked a couple instances of this. It felt a little more like the Dragon Ball that I know, but I know some people on the forum were talking about this, too. I feel that putting in the Japanese music really accentuates how bad the English voice acting is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Does it ever. Especially in the moments where there is no background music and, you know, it's solely Someone's relying on acting. And, yeah. They're just so over... The voices are just so forced. It that's is. what the whole thing is to me. I mean, if you... That's been, I think, my major thing with their dub from the beginning. I mean, you look at any other dub, even, hell, go back to the movies that Pioneer did. Right. The voices have a certain organic presence. I mean, they don't sound like someone is forcing, you know, grabbing their nuts and trying to force out, you know, the most hideous voice you can think of. <laughs> it's just people acting. I mean, right. it's the same thing if you switch to the Japanese. They sound very, I don't want to say calm, because, I mean, they're screaming their asses off all right. the time, but <laughs> it, it doesn't have such a harsh, uh, unrefined edge to it. Right. I mean, it's very clear that we are not dub fans, and we are pretty much never going to like Funimation's dub of the series. But if you're a dub fan, check out the audio track with the Japanese music, and I guarantee you, you're going to be watching it and saying, there is just something wrong here. This is just clashing, and it doesn't fit. It's a culture clash. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> What's bizarre that, is that but... I think the the movie won um, Pioneer. I mean, mm-hmm. that had the uh, Japanese music, and that right. felt fine. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing. Movies one, two, and three, when the Funimation Pioneer did them jointly, that that's how it was. It, it fit because that's what they were dubbing. They were dubbing the movies properly. They weren't doing the Funimation... Revisioning. Revisioning dub for TV. So. Oh, Reversioning, sorry. Whatever, Whatever. the hell catchphrase they made up yeah. for it. Right. Can I point out one other thing that I noticed when I was spot-checking it? Because yeah. Because I, I think I listened to one episode, and then I went back and just checked a couple of action scenes. Yes. Was I the only one that noticed it? I think someone on the forum put it a lot better than I could. It sounded like someone was playing the background music in a studio next door. Yes. And were recording the actual voices and mixing the sound effects in, like at 75% peak over yes. the music. It's not a very good mixing job at all. No. And I think part of that is it, Funimation never intended to do this, so now they are doing it, and they're like, uh, uh, yeah, here, you want this, right? What else do we have on this set that we can talk about? I mean, it's very clear that we are very disappointed in what this is. I think it's a bargain deal. 
it would be hard to pass up. All right, let, let's talk about yeah. what my theory is with this. I guarantee you very soon we are going to hear from Funimation how amazingly successful this set has been. They've sold so many copies. People are looking forward to it. They're eating it up. And the reason is they're throwing it out there for 30 bucks. You're getting people that never want to give the series a chance because, you know, where do you begin? They're like, well, you begin shit. at the beginning. 39 episodes for 30 bucks? That is the best deal we've seen on anime, like, ever like, that ever. I've seen. Like, normally you get, you know, a 26 episode box set for 150 bucks when it first comes out. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Here, have some 30 odd episodes for. Or even bucks. Funimation's oldest with three or four episodes. And even when you got them at Best Buy, they're like 17, 18 bucks for those in the movies. This is the best deal we've seen, especially in Dragon Ball. So people are just grabbing it. People don't know. They're like, oh my god, this looks so great. So of course it's doing well. People are buying it because it's so cheap. So I think that's more of what I call Funimation's brilliant marketing where they're going to lose as much money as they can just to get this Trojan horse in the door. I don't know. I mean, anime companies mm. are notorious for not releasing statistics. We're never going to know how this did. That's true. Is my theory. Yeah. They'll just say it yeah, did really only, well. Yeah, the only thing we can really go by is see how it charts. Right. Mean, that's about it. Right. But um, going back to the music thing, and mm-hmm. again, you can re-edit this however you want, but um, something I wanted to touch on was the uh, mysteriously missing pieces of music that kind oh, of just right. disappeared. And this um, is in the dub, right? Yeah, in the dub version, I mean, the Japanese is already a pre-mixed audio master. They can't touch it if they want to. Really. Right, it's they just have, there. Exactly. Um, on the other hand, I don't mm. know if this is something that is a result of their great sound engineering or if it's something that they just didn't get. But, uh, of course, the main thing is you're missing the actual intro song when you go to play the uh Oh, the that's right. Track. Right. Shala Head Shala is missing <laughs> action. Right. And then you've got, uh, I believe, the other one that someone decided was when Piccolo dies. Yes. And Gohan, right before he attacks Nappa, the... I guess it's the background music is playing, but the actual choir is missing, I think right. people said. I believe the music was originally used in Dragon Ball Movie 2, if I remember correctly from the movie in my 5-CD set. And, um, right, this piece here, there's actually two versions that were used in the series. There is a version in, used in the series that doesn't have, you call it like orchestral chanting kind of chorus thing. But in these particular scenes, it does have that vocal part to it. It's not like it was in Japanese or anything. Right. Well, it may have been. You can't really tell. It's kind mm. of not inaudible, but you can't. It's a make it words. Yeah, exactly. Mm. How about? Yeah, it sounds like sounds more like a faux Latin type thing. Yeah, exactly. Made like any like one winged angel kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. No, please. Goodbye, my friend. <sighs> no. <gasps> Goodbye, Bobo. <laughs> Remember! Kami! Kami! Go on!
Um, how about the insert song in the episode where Kayo has the filler uh, inconsistency flashback of what happened to Planet Vegeta? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually didn't watch that in English, so I can't comment on that. But uh, Yeah, we watched it in Japanese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's not one of the spots I, I rechecked. I think the song is not there. GT. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there is that kind of stuff missing, which of course begs the question, what about the other big songs in Z? There are four insert songs. The next one's going to be Mind Power. Oh no, my favorite. Oh, actually, no, is that true? No, the next one's going to be Battle Power. Infinity. Well, well Battle Infinity. Point Unlimited is what it actually is, but oh. we always in the past just call it Battle Power Infinity. After that is Mind Power, and then the last insert song will be Unmei no Hi. Um, so is the dub going to get those songs? That would be so cool. Probably I'm not, going, though. I'm going to make a call on the last one. Mm-hmm. I don't think Unme no He is going to make it in, because nope. if you've ever seen the Spanish dub, actually, right. they have a just a complete moment of silence. There's no music whatsoever. Exactly. But I do think I was, I was actually scouring YouTube because I was uh, curious to see how other countries have handled it. Mm-hmm. I think there was one country that had a actual dubbed version where they actually re-recorded the song in That's the native awesome. language of the dub, which actually sounded extremely strange, but <laughs> the, the effort is nice. Right, it's appreciated. <laughs> Who is this set for? I mean, Japanese fans, you're getting screwed because the typical Japanese fan knows about the show pretty well because they've been into it for a while, typically, and know what it looks like. They know these episodes really well. They're going to notice the widescreen and what's been fucked with it. The dub fans are going to be missing their 5.1 audio track from the broadcast version, and if they notice all the stuff that's wrong with it, they're going to see that too. And then we have that 5.1 with the Japanese music. Who the hell is that for? Like, we don't want it anymore. And dub fans are like, oh my god, Falconer's so great, I hate the Japanese score, so they're not going to watch it. Who the fuck is this set for? New fans. People that would never touch the series with a 10-foot pole. This is who it's for. Right. It's trying to make new fans. Um, I I think it's almost the light coat of lube that they're putting on because they know that they're (laughs) bending the fans over, essentially. (laughs) I mean, I tried to think about it in all honesty because there's some real strange mix-and-match stuff that goes on with this set. I mean, like you're talking about, you've got stuff that's being omitted, stuff that's being added. Something that kind of bugged me was uh, with the actual choice of the intro and the outro for the actual episodes Mm -hmm. the first the actual intro is creditless on the japanese track which i think has been their what they've done right every time up to this point Mm -hmm. the outro is the credits for episode one for every single episode (laughs) which so we have shigeru jiba for every single episode Which, I mean, I didn't I didn't get it. If you're not going to give credits at all, don't give credits at all. And the strange <laughs> thing is the final disc has extras, and they have the creditless opening as an extra. So you've got the, you've got the creditless opening 40 times on this disc set. <laughs> so it just, it just sort of befuddles me <laughs> how, how someone sat down and went, okay, what can we give them? Let's give them the fucking intro again. They've already seen it so many times, they can just go right here and grab it. I mean, exactly. I don't know. <sighs> and did they pick a more awkward place to kind of stop? Because I... I know I don't understand this. What you would call season <laughs> ends at episode thirty-six. That's where the logical ending is. Why does it go to thirty-nine? That's them taking off into space know. on their way to Namek. My girlfriend looked at it and she was like, uh, "Okay, Yay, where's the next disc?" <laughs> She's like, "What the fuck? Why are we stopping here?" 
I'm like, oh, no. Were they trying to even out episode counts for the discs? And if so, why didn't they just do the less episodes per disc to even it out and then even less on the disc with the extras like people usually do? It just doesn't make any sense. It defies logic. Well, the thing is, the next set, I mean, Australia has already started putting out the actual advertisements for the uh, next two sets. Uh-huh. And if memory serves, I want to say the next two sets have lower episode counts, so I don't see why they couldn't just bump those up like an extra couple of episodes. Because the next one's going to cut off somewhere in the middle of the Frieza arc, which right. is going to be anywhere you add more episodes in, it's probably going to be cool. But this one just kind of struck me as odd. It didn't seem to really flow. It's like we hit the climax, we had the resolution, then we started and just sort of paused. Right. This set, uh, I think befuddles is kind of a great word that you use there. Well, thank you. I, I don't understand it. Um, I'm going to say, and I'm pretty confident, that I will not purchase any more of these sets. And I kind of want 20% of my money back on this one, even though I only spent 30 bucks on it. Corey, you own all mm. of the Dragon Boxes. Mm-hmm. You now own this. Um, is it safe to say that you will not be purchasing the Season 2 box set? I believe it is something that you can pretty much bank on. <laughs> uh, and Mary gets no say. Because, no, that's not you. <laughs> Julian, what about you, though? Me, in terms of the set? A- any interest in any of these whatsoever? Know. Not especially. I mean, I'm happy with my manga. That's that's my main thing. That's true. You are our manga guy. So we are mm-hmm. going to say we really hope... That people, you know, it's easy for us to badmouth this. We really all have the money to afford it. If we want to, we can get it. We don't have to. But we just want people to be informed about what this is because we don't want to see other people waste their money on a product that they're kind of being misled on. So if you're fine with that, it's being turned into widescreen. If you think that it does look great and you don't care about, let's be truthful, that Funimation lied to us about a whole bunch of stuff on this set, by all means, drop the cheap 30 bucks on this kind of set if you just want to watch the episodes. But for those of yeah, us who want to watch it, this is just kind of bullshit to us. Yeah, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the sad thing about it to me. I mean, there's numerous sad things, but probably the worst about it is just the blatant uh, belief of Funimations that all the fans are essentially idiots. Because yeah. it seems like it seems like all the explanations they begin giving up to this point are just so incredibly half-fast and easy to shoot full of holes that I, do they just not expect people to look into it? Do they just think they say something and it's assumed to be gospel? I mean, it's I'm the same way. I'm exactly what you're saying. I think that people can buy it. I don't fault them for buying it. It's cheap. It's the only way to own the episodes legitimately. Right, people and that's agree. important. Exactly. I mean, it's not like you know <laughs> certain people that are running around parading their bootlegs every five seconds. Uh, Banned as of this evening. Thank you. I mean, it's one of those things where there's no other choice. I mean, there's always the singles from Japan, but I know a lot of people aren't comfortable with not having subtitles. That's cool, but it sucks. I mean, that's the situation as it is. It sucks. That sums it up. I see it changing. Yeah, yep. that's pretty much the... You can actually stamp the interview with that. That pretty much overrides everything else. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks. Perfect summary. <laughs> the one other thing I wanted to say, and I heard this from you, you've been posting over on the Anime on DVD forums a little bit. 
did you did I hear correctly that they're not even going to be reviewing this set? Oh uh, yeah, Chris Beveridge, who runs Anime on DVD, he was one of the people that posted the original press release back in November. Right. Uh, of course, everybody jumped out of the woodwork and was like, "Yay!" But then people were like, "Widescreen? What the fuck?" And he went, "Oh wait, they're doing it in widescreen." He said, "That's fucking stupid." And then the overscan thing came out, and he said, "That's it. I'm not touching this fucking thing." And so. Mary, from a marketing standpoint, that is a huge blow to Funimation because these companies are all over that site. They use quotes from anime on DVD on their packaging. Right. Like uh-huh. I look at my, I think it's Gonkutsuo, maybe even some of my Utena DVDs. There's quotes from anime on DVD all over the place on those things, and I'm sure Funimation would have loved to have jumped on the chance at the chance, you know, to put an anime on DVD quote on a box. And it kind of sucks that like. I'm not reviewing your set. That's how much I disagree with what you've done. But now, like, because there's no review there, the, oh, I mean, it's a tough situation. I mean, we're doing all we can do right here with this audio review and trying to get out right. information to the public. A review from Anime on DVD would have really helped get that information out there. So I kind of think it's cool he's taking a stand and boycotting right. it, but at the same time, I think the public has a right to know how yeah. bad this is. Well, yeah, more people funny. read Anime on DVD than they read Daisenshu X. I mean, I'll be honest about that. Yeah, I mean, it's more of a generalized site, so even if someone's going there for another series, they right. might see the Dragon Ball actual review and just click it out of curiosity. But uh, something that's interesting that I meant to bring up earlier also was mm-hmm. the fact that Funimation had their two representatives uh, essentially living on anime on DVD when this first came yeah. out. Answering all the questions, you know, spinning everything depending on whatever the marketing department was putting out there for dissemination. Right. When this set actually hit and people were putting screenshots, including myself, mm-hmm. uh, they essentially fell off the face of the planet. Anyway, when this had first come out, I actually was uh, in contact with a representative over at Funimation uh, trying to find out information, and I asked if they had any sort of official reply to everything that was coming out because they had been pretty much silent on the southern front. Uh, they don't have anything to say, apparently. And no uh, funny thing is, I mentioned this earlier for a second, uh, Steve Franco, the guy that apparently was the hands-on person with right. this particular set, um, I did a search on him earlier because I was curious to see what his resume included. The only trace of the guy that I could find was on IMDb, which of course isn't the most reliable set, but it's right. something. Um, he has a grand total of four things to his name, uh, three <laughs> which appear to be short films, and one which is a Playboy home video from 1994, all of which list him as the colorist. Nice. So uh, it's in capable hands, man. I mean, Porno tits and Dragon, and Dragon Ball, Ball Z. Yeah. Tits and Dragon Ball, man. It's the girls of Hooters. Uh, <laughs> well, I think our uh, porn to DVC connection, um, <laughs> our anime on DVD will not even review it fact, and it sucks. <laughs> Sums up our review. Those are our three main points for this review. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna put up a. Uh, I've talked to you about this before. Yes. I'm gonna put up a supplementary thing essentially, which will have some visuals also. Right, and that's important. And, and I mean that way, when people listen to this, I'm gonna try and time it so it goes up at the same time. That would so be people fantastic. Have people have something to look at in addition to hearing us ramble on about it. So it right. should be a nice little combination there. I'll try to make it very obvious. I'll put a big link to it on the homepage. Everyone can see it. We'll link it in the uh, the show notes and links for the episode and the forum thread and everything. So Sweet. be sure to sure. take a look I'm at sure that shit. I'm sure for all the things we've covered, there's something I'm going to remember later and be like, oh, shit, you right. brought that up. So. Right. So definitely check all that stuff out. Awesome. 
Well, uh, it sucks. And so from there on out, we're going to move it on. We don't really have releases because February kind of sucks. It's a little bit slow. Yeah, and everything's done. We got a game that was pushed back to next month, so whatever. Let's fuck releases, and we are going to take it on into emails. And, Corey, you're sticking around because we have two emails about the box set. Sweet. Our first email comes to us. We get a lot of emails from him, but you know what? He had an email about this set, and so it's important. Julian, what does Doug have to say? Doug says, are the Japanese episodes on the American Vegeta saga still left untouched, or did they make the Japanese version widescreen too? And if it's not widescreen, did they at least clean up the footage the same way they did for the American dub? All right, so this is how DVDs work. There is a... Well... (laughs) It's just these DVDs. When it comes to Funimation DVDs, it's not always true. The standard DVD with multiple audio tracks, the way it works is there is a single video track on the DVD. And you switch between audio tracks that are playing at the same time as that video track. So if you press the audio button on your remote, it'll change from English to Japanese. That's how this set is. There is one video track, and you switch between the languages. So With one exception. Well, that's true. (laughs) The only exception to that is that when, for instance, with the title cards for the actual shows, they will use what are called alternate angles. Right. So those are exactly the same as their American counterparts in terms of being cropped and having the filtering applied. Gotcha. So in essence, in a nutshell, kind of layman's terms, yes, there is one video track. So the Japanese version is equally affected as the quote-unquote American dub as well. There's just the one video track. So you're kind of boned. All right, we have another email here. This one's from Albert, and it is also corresponding to these sets. And uh, I guess I'll read this one. Albert says... Over the years, we have seen the ups and downs of Funimation's American distribution of Dragon Ball. I'm very grateful for them introducing the series to the American audience. However, like you've mentioned countless times before, they always seem to mess up their releases with that one thing that just irritates the hell out of the hardcore Dragon Ball fans. Their latest release for the DVC remastered box sets is definitely no exception. It is with this release that I would like to say that they have finally crossed the line. We, the fans, have told Funimation thousands of times what we wanted from them, but they never seem to get it right. I don't think they'll ever get it right, and you know what? I'm tired of it. Therefore, I think the only solution for me is to stop buying Dragon Ball content from Funimation and get the Dragon Boxes from Japan. Funimation is not going to get any more of my money for Dragon Ball, period. Somebody's got to teach him a lesson. Well, that's you, Albert. You teach him a lesson. Anyway, do you think this is the best approach for me to take towards the current situation? Please share your opinion. Thank you for your time. If you got the money, do it. That's badass. (laughs) I see this time and time again, and it it was even before this set came out. People again in these DVDs are like, God damn it, this isn't what I want. What can I do? Well, finally, Japan did get the TV series released. We had the Dragon Box sets, and as of this recording, all of Z is out on individual DVDs in Japan. Dragon Balls comes out starting next month, and I think it's pretty safe to assume that GT will follow suit after that. So what can you do if you're a fan of the Japanese version and you, you're like, I'm done with Funimation, I don't even care about their dub anyways, doesn't matter that I don't have that, want to watch in Japanese... Corey, is there any chance of getting the Dragon Boxes themselves anymore? Uh, first of all, let me tell El- uh, Albert. Let me uh, butcher his name first. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, let me say to Albert, I'm right there with you, man. Um, 
Dragon Ball was the first, uh, Dragon Ball Z was the first show I actually got on DVD and was the reason I became so acclimated with the uh, technical aspect. I went through the exact same thing he did, did what he's talking about. Um, unfortunately, right now, since the Dragon Boxes were a pre-order only item, right. they are going to be extremely hard to find and they are going to carry quite a premium on them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you use some of the proxy bidding services, which I'll give to you so you can list them on the website, uh, you can get them through Yahoo Auctions and so forth. Um, it's just basically going to be the fact that most Japanese people do not want to ship outside of Japan. Right. So what these proxy services do is they charge a nominal fee. You pay through them. They have the actual item shipped to them based in Japan, and they in turn turn around and ship it to you. The main thing you're going to have to think about at this point is whether you want to spend that extra money to get the actual boxes or if you just want to wait and get the actual singles because the content is practically the same. Right. The only thing you're going to be missing out on are the special toys, the actual box itself. And to this point, it looks like you're probably going to be missing out on the TV specials and so forth. Right. Oh, yeah, all the uh, extra videos that came on the sets. I got to say, I have a couple of the R2 singles. I love them. I think they're great. I think they're packaged nicely. They have amazing cover art. I love the art. So if you're just concerned with getting the show in Japanese in its proper format and you got the cash to spend, go ahead and get those singles. They're going to give you exactly what you're looking for. Except for subtitles. Right. Well, in terms of just pure content of the show, that's what you're going to get. Yes, it's Japanese product. There are no subtitles. But I know for at least us that are on this show right now, we have been into the show for so long and know it so well that, like, we don't... It's not that we know what they're saying word for word when we watch the show, but we just know it so well from back in the day with our fan subs and with the Funimation DVDs and with the manga. We know what's going on. We can just watch and enjoy it at this point. God, back when I was only into the show for a few years and it was airing raw on the international channel, I was able to follow it with oh, yeah. my marginal knowledge of Japanese. Exactly. I knew it's exactly really basic. when I knew exactly when Vegeta was calling people candy ass faggots. <laughs> I felt extremely. <laughs> I felt extremely knowledgeable, and I felt as though I could tell my friends exactly what they were saying, because, you know, Gohan was calling people a shit face, and Vegeta was saying he was going to fucking kill these people, and, you know, it's just real hardcore adult stuff. Corey, I I think you need to put down the Anime Labs fan subs. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. You you can still make it as a fan without those. (laughs) I know it's going to be tough. Uh, All right, we have a couple more emails here. Julian, why don't you take the next one? All right. So Garov, or Gary, whichever is easier, uh, says, Whenever I watch the dubbed DVD movies, I hear Mr. Satan be called Mr. Satan. And on TV, the H word. (laughs) (laughs) Hercule. Anyway, uh, is it because of U.S. censorship laws? Um, Well, Garov, or Gary, whichever you prefer, um, the answer is, well, because Dragon Ball Z airs on cable in the in the U.S., it really isn't directly touched by the FCC. Right. But in general, uh, programs will try to uphold some kind of certain standards and practices. In this case, uh, Funimation aiming for the Toonami block, which kind of died an ignominious death a while back on <laughs> yeah. Cartoon Network. But um, 
and that airing in the afternoon, I, I think in general they felt like they had to tone down some of the violence and as well as religious references. Now, depending on where you are in the world, this may not seem like a big deal, but in the United States, religion tends to be a fairly big deal. And believe it or not, there are people who take the idea of Satan quite seriously. Uh, I guess kind of like Lord Voldemort in uh, Harry Potter there. But um, anyway, the, I guess... Um, Especially the idea of having a more or less good character named Mr. Satan is almost unthinkable. But, I mean, uh, to a lesser extent, you also see the lack of religious references and things like calling uh, Kami Kami, for example, rather than translating his name out to God. Right. Or um, referring to the essentially the deities of the afterlife, like um, Emma Dayo and Kaio Sama and the others by um, not quite explicit um, deification-type names, as well as uh, the infamous uh, HFIL, which they thankfully kind of did away with in the uncut re-releases, but has been kept in the edited version that's been shown on TV in the past. And so I think that pretty much uh, shows you um, how that's kind of worked its way into the show. But in essence, there aren't really laws that police this kind of thing. It's more like a, a kind of self-censorship, and the regulatory mechanism that has its effect is, of course, angry parents who have let their children be babysitted by the TV instead of, you know, them actually parenting. Like moms I yell at and I think that's your public. Answer. So basically, it's Watson acting. Yeah, it's Barry Watson having acted on soccer on behalf of soccer moms. <laughs> over, essentially. Oh, what the hell, Mary? Why don't you take the last one from David? <laughs> Alrighty, David writes. This is David. I have a question for you guys. Fancy that. My friends and I were watching Dragon Ball and we saw Goku take a rabbit guy to the moon. I can't remember the rabbit's name, but they go to the moon. My question is, would Goku have become a giant ape when he went to the moon? I don't really see how these <laughs> two points of that relate, but okay. So if Goku went to the moon, would he transform into the Ozaru that we are familiar with? Let's ignore GT for a minute. Julian, real briefly, give us the breakdown of what causes them to undergo the transformation. So, uh, according to Dragon Ball Universe logic, there is a certain kind of electromagnetic radiation, or what have you, called Xeno rays, that is only um, well, that is only produced by the reflection of sunlight by uh, a, another body, for example, a, a moon of a planet. And when this amount exceeds a certain um, number it's like 17 million or something like that right then um it uh it has to be absorbed through the eyes and then it sets off a reaction in the in a gland and a cyanogen tail and it causes the transformation but this uh, amount is only exceeded when the moon is a full circle or you know basically at its um most reflective of sunlight. I'm actually going to okay. stop and correct you for a second because you said Zeno waves, but it's actually Brutes oh, that's waves right. it's the, and Zeno's they're the measured unit. in Zeno or Zeno. Uh, whatever. That's it right, is. right, right. Sorry. It's been a long time. Ah, that's cool. All right, go ahead. <laughs> I need to probably go reread that part of the series. But okay, so when the Brutes ray waves exceed that certain number of Zeno, then the uh, tr transformation is affected, but it only happens when the moon is full because it requires the entire reflective surface of whatever heavenly body um, is reflecting the sunlight. Right. Now, by this logic, you might you might expect a <clears throat> full Earth to do the same thing if you were, you know, on a nearby celestial body that happened to, you know, have a situation where the Earth would wax and wane. But I don't know. And uh, kind of at, at any rate, I think that unless the Moon is full from the perspective of where they are on the Earth, 
at the time that he took the people to the moon, you know, uh, ignoring for the moment the logic of not being able to breathe in space <laughs> and all that. I don't think Goku would transform because once he was on the moon, obviously, um, he would be from the moon's perspective and it would be the Earth that would be the liability. It, all in all, it's a really, really weird thing. You can tell at that point the series was still much more fantasy-based right. rather than science fiction, and I don't think Toriyama was really thinking in those terms. He just wanted an excuse to put a rabbit on the moon, really, because, I mean, That's every kid loves joke. that story. All well, right. Obviously, the, the correct answer, if I may contest here, yes. is that Goku's father was a brilliant scientist, and therefore he was able to... <laughs> you know what? I hate you. <laughs> you don't get to answer no. emails. <laughs> Between your anime labs and your fucking Terry Clayson scripts, you need to just go die in a fire, all right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to oh, wrap nice. up the emails for this week. If you'd like to send us a question, it is oh so easy. You send them over to podcast at dizx.com. And if you can't remember that, head over to the website and click that contact link. So uh, questions, suggestions, comments, top five lists, whatever you want, send them. Podcast at dizx.com. And we're going to take it in uh, another beer to the contest for the episode. <laughs> As they would say over on Geek Nights, Mike, lols. We are giving away <laughs> OMFG Tebraffle Bombs. The Dragon Ball Z <laughs> Season 1 Remastered Box Set. We're giving one away because Tanuki Kuribo, like Rob's Banks and Rob's Video Stores, <laughs> and got us a box set to give away. And we don't want you to have to spend money on this crap, so exactly. we'll give it to you for free. Right up front, I'm going to say this isn't from Funimation. Funimation has absolutely nothing to do with this. This isn't being pushed by Funimation to us, to you guys. This is just of Tanuki Kuribo's own free will because he's crazy, and like I said, Rob banks so we have a sealed factory sealed no less because i I don't know what else would be sealed and maybe like a rice cooker or something (laughs) that'd be awesome so we have this box set we're going to give it away we're giving you two weeks you need to send us an email to contest at dizx.com that's right because we are so special we have specific email addresses at our own domain (laughs) hardcore yes yes it's crazy it's like this tubes they go into and i reach up and i pull them down like there's an email over here a contest oh my god there's an email over a podcast yes so you're <laughs> going to send these to contest at dizx.com send us an email put something in the subject because when you put nothing in the subject i think it's spam and i delete it so put something in the subject this needs to be in the inbox by march 2nd 2007 at 12 noon. That is a Friday, 12 noon Eastern time. And uh, I don't think that's going to be for the... the, 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 the. <laughs> that's before the daylight savings time shit that's going on this year. So you don't have to worry about that. So 12 noon Eastern American, best time in the whole fucking world. Get them in. Um, you don't have to do anything special. Just type something in there. And we're going to give away this box set because God knows I don't fucking want it in this house anymore. <laughs> so that wraps up the episode. Fantastic. I need to edit the episode now. 
I'm going to have all sorts of fun because we broke into our own random stories in the middle of the episode that the podcast listeners can't hear. <laughs> well, maybe eventually we'll release a widescreen edition of the podcast, and I guess I can append that to the end. Awesome. <laughs> you guys think we hit everything, or is there anything that you guys can think of we should record a quick deal for? Or If there's nothing, that makes no sense. If we forgot about. Exactly. That's I'll what I want to say. On the site, so. Yeah, exactly. If there's anything we forgot about, throw it up on uh, your mm. little review site. We'll link to it. We'll make sure everything gets hit up there. Yeah. Stay okay, tuned cool. to the forums. I'm sure everyone will Coming be soon. continuing talking about it. Cool <laughs> shit. So uh, send in for the contest. Hope you enjoyed the review. Hope you don't have to buy the set yourself. That would be very sad. Next week, we're going to have episode 66 for you. The week after that, 67, Jeff will be back to do the manga review with us. So cool shit coming in. Let's say goodbye to everyone. First, I'm going to say goodbye to our special guest, Corey, who needs to go burn his Anime Labs fan subs. <laughs> I need to go uh, live my uh, cherished days with the Black Goku and so forth. And think hey, those are things. cherished relics. With the old real media oh, files man. that were... Daizenshu EX and the Black Goku. Fantastic <laughs> sites for you to check out. <laughs> Fantastic sites oh, from God. the uh, cutting edge of 1998. <laughs> Spanish magazines love Temple of Trunks in 1999 <laughs> or 2000. Oh, Corey, so if people want to check you out, they can see you as Majin Vegeta XV or is it VX? Uh, XV. XV. I got it right the first time. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they can find you 15. on the Daizen Shui X forums. Um, you're over on the Funimation forums too, saying shit, starting oh, shit, talking don't look shit. For me there. Hopefully not shit and shit. You are everywhere, so that's cool shit. And then let's say goodbye to Julian, who you can find at Daisenshu EX with myself. But actually, no, because we have to say goodbye to Mary, because then I go to Julian and he says, Yora. So, Mary. Yeah. Where can you be found? You can be found <laughs> at Temple of Trunks, which is www.templeotrunks.com. Fantastic. And you can also be found to my lesson proverbial right. Right. So we're going to be done. You need to go let the kitties out. Because yeah, because they're, they're crying. She's like destroying the carpet in there. Yeah. And then, so Julie, now we can say goodbye to you. You live with me in a different capacity at Daizen Shui X. That's right. And that can be found at www.daizex.com. Isn't that right? That, that is absolutely right. That's it, everyone. Thank you for joining us on 65. Thanks to Corey. Thanks to Julian. Thanks to Mary. For all of the aforementioned, I am Mike Labrie. Vegito EX and I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone to tell me what to feel. I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone to hate the world with me. I hit record and I'm listening and that's cool. Mary, say something. Say something. Something. Uh, that works. Something, something. Julian, give me something. I'll give you a little something, something. I really <laughs> hope you don't. Corey, give me something. <laughs> uh, silly. I was thinking we could do some silly stuff later. I can get my tool belt. I hate <laughs> you all. <laughs>